welcome back to another episode of one of these years. I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner, along with Colton Pouncey. After a loss, Colton, it's been a minute here since we've uh, covered a loss <laughs> on the old show, which, you know, I mean, if anyone knows the title, this is a show that began about losing <laughs> in most ways, so we're well-versed in that whole subject, but uh, back for Baltimore... And tell me before we get on, he's ready for the bye week. How are we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> Hanging in there. Hanging in there on October 26th. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm exhausted. Uh, I was. I bet. You know how I know it's ready for the bye? I'm ready for the bye week. Uh, I was typing, I was texting, and I was typing the word gonna, and I like mistyped. And my phone auto-corrected it to Gibbs. Yeah, right, exactly. And I'm yep, like, yep, I've I know been, that life. I have been yep. on this beat for too long. I was like, I need a, I need a vacation or some time <laughs> Fun, off. So. Funny story about that. Uh, when I was... Uh, in my much younger days, I think I was either in my 20s or early 30s, and I was covering um, Michigan, Hoke, Brady Hoke, and I typed Hoke so many times in my same thing in my phone for stories and whatever it was, that when someone kept texting me in like a group thread and I tried to write the word whole, and it kept autocorrecting to Hoke, <laughs> and it would be like whole, whole, or whatever it was, and I was like, and that just kept happening over and over and over again, and I was like, okay, like this is not okay, like this is pleading. The stuff they don't teach but you yes. in uh, journalism school, huh? No, not really. <laughs> no, that's the secrets, the inside scoops here <laughs> for everyone else. But in any event, Lions uh, go down 38-6 in what was clearly the worst performance of the year, uh, and Colton, one that was reminiscent to most people of, you know, those games we talked about, right, like New England and the Patriots game that just haven't happened a lot to this team. And, you know, we can get into why here in a second on both sides, but what was your sort of, um, you know, initial reaction as it was happening, then I guess after it was happening? Could be, because I don't know if I am if I would say I'm shocked by it, uh, maybe shocked, maybe surprised by how bad it was. Certainly not shocked that they got beat, but what was your sort of reaction to, to the whole thing there? Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this game too much last week. Um, we didn't. We were talking too much about trades. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't get into Ravens talk, did we? Uh, if we did, I would have said I don't like that matchup for the Lions. I think this is one of the yeah. few teams that can actually match up really well on both sides of the ball and kind of give you an outcome. Not like this. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting 30-6, to six, but I was expecting them to lose by a couple touchdowns, I think. Um, I was telling a couple other people, like Max and James, uh, in our group chat that – didn't think this one was going to go their way, but no, you're um, right. Yeah, the way tough, it, tough, tough place. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess the way it happened, um, I'm not totally right. surprised. Uh, just what we knew about these two teams coming in, the Lions have always had trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Lamar is the best mobile quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's improved so much from the pocket as a passer over the years. Um, he's playing in an offense that has some weapons now. That's kind of you know, tailoring to his strengths and kind of taking the tra- training wheels off, so to say. Um, so this was a game, I think, that just kind of came together for them. And, you know, there are days you're going to have like that. Sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes you get got. Um, you hope it doesn't end up like this. But, you know, it happens sometimes. And um, that was pretty ugly on Sunday. Yeah, the worst part for me, I guess, or the worst observation or whatever it is that I had was that, you know, this is a game – uh, you know, and you said it really well there about everything that they do to you, especially now, right, with Munkin and, and they, they spread you out more and do so much more stuff. But it's still a very run-heavy, principled situation, and it's very similar to how the Lions are going to play, right, where it's like it's sort of a race to see who can get a lead, who gets a two-score lead. Because if I get a two-score lead, this game is over. Yeah. You're, not, you're not coming back on me with the way that we block up front. And the way that you have to, you know, with, with the Ravens especially, the way you have to, you know, tackle the quarterback and everything else, 
you're not coming back on them. So it's a race to see who can get up front. So in those games, when you go play Baltimore, and usually the Lions have been here for this, that has to be the fist fight, the slugfest from the minute the thing snapped. And it has to be like a just a dogfight to see who can get out on top. And Baltimore was ready for that, obviously. Detroit was not. And like that to me is a, was indicative of maybe a couple things. The Lions were hurt in this game. They were dinged up, as we know as well. That doesn't factor into anything well for them with a couple guys that were out. The matchup, of course, like you say, Colton, not great. Uh, but also I think it, you know, it sort of challenges a little bit of the we talk a lot about like what does it take to prove that you're ready to be a contender you know we I'm not saying that the Lions aren't a good football team and they aren't exactly what I thought they were before last week because they still are but the difference between you know being for real for real and what we think is good is the team that does that doesn't happen to you you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen to you you could have lost that game could have lost that game by two scores but that not like that so that to me was like Man, like that, uh, we've seen a couple of eggs from the Lions, but not against good teams, <laughs> which was a little bit. Usually, they're ready for that, and I was—I don't know. Am I stretching on this? What are your What are your thoughts on that? I kind of go back and forth. Um, did you expect a game like that? No. Do you want a game like that? No. Um, does that mean the Lions aren't for real? It depends who you talk to, I, I yeah, guess. No, but I mean, like, I would say I no. It doesn't change anything there. Yeah, I mean, I still think the Lions are a good team. Uh, really shouldn't change your long-term opinions of where they are as a franchise because, to me, coming into the right. season, I thought they would go 11-6 and win the division. Yeah. And I still think that's I, very much... Loss, yeah, sure. I still think that's yeah. very much on pace to happen. Um, they could win probably 12 games at this point, I think, with their schedule. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, get, I get some of the concern. Like, you don't want to lose a game like that in that fashion where it's over by the first quarter, probably halfway through the first yeah, quarter. Yeah, man, um, right. You know... It felt like once, you know, the defense you kind of figured was going to have a tough day after that first drive, and you're like, oh, that was way too easy. <laughs> Second drive come out, comes out, they do it again. And then, you know, the offense, you're like, all right, guys, like, you're going to need to put some points on the board. It's going to be a shootout. It's one of those days. The defense doesn't have it. Right. And then they're going three and out, three and out, three and out. And it's like, ah, uh, yeah, this, is, not this right. is over. <laughs> yeah, you're done. You're done. Right there. So yeah. I, while I think, like, no one wants to see that, and I think a lot of people had sour taste in the mouth after that, I think some of the reactions have been kind of overblown. Like Stephen A. went from having them number one on their his power rankings to <laughs> calling them frauds on his own show. Oh, and, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I don't think that's <laughs> there's any need for that. But sometimes you get a little, little reality check, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a long season. <laughs> we got got yeah, ten more right. games to be played, so a lot of football left, and that, they have time to kind of correct some of the things. And again, I think it was more just matchup based, like. Um, yes, I, it de- definitely. Yeah, I think I the agree. the Ravens are probably one team that you don't want to f- see on the other side if you do get to a Super Bowl somehow, <laughs> like this season. Yep, 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 uh, the yep, good yep. thing is you don't have to play them at all the rest of the year unless that happens, so that's good. Um, but we talked about like Lamar and this offense and the, the, the pass catchers that they have now. It's different than it's been in years past. Um, definitely. And you know, I think the Lions, with their game plan, they played a lot more man than they have in the past. Um, early this season, they've been pretty zone-heavy. They switched it up for this game. I kind of dug into some of the numbers on why, and I, th- I think that would explain some of it. Like, I think the Ravens were 30th in the NFL, like their offense against man coverage. So I think maybe that's something that the Lions saw they could um, exactly, exploit yeah. um, in terms of EPA. Um, so switch it up, add a third linebacker, play you know Jack Campbell in that Sam backer spot, have Charles Harris deactivated. Maybe you thought you know having three backers on the field, you can get a spy, get Lamar a little bit there. Um, 
seems like they guessed wrong. <laughs> yeah, they did. So, yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. as well. I understand uh, some of the reasoning yeah. for that, but yeah. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, what the Lions do really well is, you know, the middle of the field, um, the, the passing game with St. Yes. and Laporta. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much eliminated or neutralized with some of the linebackers that the Ravens have with, you know, Roquan and those boys. Um, the offensive line did not have a good day. I thought missing Jonah Jackson in terms of pass protection certainly hurt the interior. Um, obviously, no Montgomery. You can't really control the clock the way you want to and kind of, you know, produce yards and chunks on the ground like that. Um so yeah, I you know I just don't don't think it was their day. Not a particularly good matchup, no. and they got got. Yeah, I I think that they're going to learn a lot from this game because I you know, they actually mentioned this in the broadcast. Campbell said to whoever was broadcasting the game, I can't remember now. Um, uh, he told them during their thing that the Ravens were one of the teams that he is that he thought about when he got the job of who we can be as a team here in Detroit. Like who this team can be. Ravens and Steelers were the two, and I have long. Long, like for 25 years, thought and hoped, whatever, that that could be the case. Because it can. Like the, the the way that Ravens play football and have even before John Harbaugh was there, and he's been there for a long time, is so consistent and so steady and so replicable. You know, you can do it year after year. I love how they draft. I love how they play. I love how they, like, attack everything. And for them to sort of show up and just be like, <laughs> that's not going to go over well, I don't think, in the building. So I think that there's going to be... Because you don't, you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like the Detroit, I used to say it all the time to you guys, like the Detroit Ravens, like that's what they're trying to be. Not everyone points to the Steelers, and I think that's a, a fair comparison. But like to to have a line and a, and, a, and a physicality with how you play on both fronts that everybody has to deal with the minute the ball kicks off, for that to be just reversed and shoved right back at you is like, man, that's really humbling. So we'll see how that goes uh, moving forward. Okay, let's talk about defense specifics. You mentioned the linebackers and the way that they. You know, messed a little bit with the personnel and everything else. Um, beyond that, this was a bad day for the whole group uh, in general. The linebackers. It was a bad. It was probably the worst Derek Barnes has played. I thought the whole year. Yeah. Um, I mean, my goodness, the first quarter alone was just like <laughs> they needed. It was like he needs a timeout or something. It looked like rookie Derek Barnes. He was very confused um, and was slow to react to everything. So I don't know, like what. You mentioned earlier the, the the shifting a little bit of the personnel, and um, we all know what happened last time these two teams played. Lamar and those guys got just enough uh, plays off, and it was a shootout that they lost. And I sometimes wonder if Aaron Glenn goes back too far into his old bag and gets too into his head and worries too much. Because this isn't the same off. You know what I mean? It's the same yeah. quarterback, but it's not the same offense. And it just didn't look like they were ready, and it looked like they were like – They'd worked on a lot of Raven specific stuff, and instead of working on the Ravens, you know what I'm saying? Does that feel like what happened to you? Because that's what that's what it felt like to me when I watched it back. Yeah, I mean, I just thought they wanted Lamar to kind of beat him with his arm in the pocket. Um, you know, maybe that was an overcorrection because yeah. some of those games in the past, they, you know, some of these mobile quarterbacks just run wild on them, and then maybe Aaron Glenn right. was like, "We're not having that shit today. <laughs> it's exactly. not happening. We're not doing this. We're gonna we're gonna try to neutralize that. Let him beat us. If he's gonna beat us, it's gonna happen from the pocket and." To his credit, he did that. Um, but then you hear Lions coaches talk, and they're like, well, it was more execution than anything Lamar did. And so I feel like there's some back yeah. and forth there. But in terms of, like, specifics, what, what they did with this game game plan, um, you know, I, I would dug into some of the true media numbers. And mm-hmm. uh, no NFL team had a higher 4-3 rate than the Lions in Week 7. Um, so three linebackers mm-hmm. on the field. Per true media, the Lions had three linebackers on the field 47.3% of the time. 
um, and play nickel uh, 49.1% of the time. Uh, so that's a pretty drastic shift from what they did you know, the first six weeks. Um, right. From weeks one to six, they played nickel 76% of the time um, and only had three linebackers together on the field 15.8% of the time. So those are some of the numbers there. It's kind of a drastic shift. I think the game plan was let's get Jack on the field with Anzalone, with Barnes, um, you know, let him try to play that Sam hybrid role and then keep an eye on, on Lamar and see what we, you know, stop him from running, at least have that extra back yeah. on the field. Um, and then they also played more more um, man than zone in this game because they didn't want any confusion on the back end. So, you know, from a game plan perspective, a lot of people are, like, jumping on Aaron Glenn. I I, I understand some of his reasoning. So did I. I really so do. I. Um, yeah. It just didn't work. Like, the corners were giving no. up. No! <laughs> you know, like, when they say execution, yeah. I understand it because the corners – you're watching Cam Sutton, and you're watching, uh, you know, Will Harris, and obviously not having Jerry didn't help. But yeah, you're watching right. the outside corners, you're like, they're giving up so much cushion, like to a point it where it was horrible, man. Like yeah. just play him, like put your hand in his chest, like do something. You got to press if you're going to play this coverage. Yeah. And they were just giving up so much cushion. It was easy stuff. Um, you know, Jack Campbell got confused. I think the first touchdown run that Lamar kept, mm-hmm. Jack mm-hmm. just completely was focused on the running back and didn't even account for Lamar keeping it himself. So that was a touchdown. Um, on the 80-yard run, there's some miscommunication from uh, – or 80-yard pass completion, I think, uh, from Lamar to Gus Edwards. Uh, yeah. You know, Anzalone's trying to try to be a hero and sack Lamar. And you have Derek Barnes and Tracy Walker are both covering Mark Andrews, and that leaves, you know, right. some space in the back end. And that's how Gus Edwards breaks loose for 80 yards. So – just a lot of miscommunication, a lot of just mental errors. Um, you know, just one of those games where I thought the game plan was actually sound when you watch it back and when you kind of review some of the numbers, but the execution, like the coach has said, just really wasn't there. That's kind of my takeaway, I think, defensively. Yeah, when you look at who was available right at corner, number one, and then you look at, and the fact that, you know, you don't have CJ Gardner Johnson in this game, and when you signed him, you signed him in part because you knew he was, you know, like, this is a game you'd love to have a guy like that because you can stay nimble and you can stay light, and he's a linebacker. He's an extra tackler. You didn't have that. You, Tracy Walker's not that. Kirby's not to that level. Nobody else. Brian Branch has been hurt, right, and it hasn't been quite you know the same as it's been at the top, and maybe he's too, that's too much for him even at this point. So for me, it was like when I watched it back, I saw, okay, well, this was clearly what they said to themselves. We are down a bunch of guys. Like, way too many guys anyway. They're really good, so here's what we're going to do. It's either going to be a, we win this game going for broke and screw them up and they miss throws, or we get the shit kicked out of us and like that, and we just move on to the next week. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Defensively. Yeah. Defensively. Because it's like, because I don't know what you're going to do if, you know, uh, your backup's backup corner is out and you have to have Will Harris out here. I mean, yeah. I, I was watching this game and I, I, I'm thinking to myself, like, are they, are they uh, too like sentimental sometimes, or too locker room whatever sometimes at the back end of the roster? Because, and you know, this is like me in my own head, right? Because I'm like, because you get into these spots and you got to ask for a guy like Will Harris to play corn, and he can't do it, and he can't do it. But it's also like you don't you don't think you're going to be in that spot. You know what I mean? You don't think you're going to be there. So. Uh, it's just one of those things that sucks sometimes. And I do wonder if that was part of this. Because I did get a lot of that during the game, too. What the hell are they doing? Why are they in this... Why are they playing like this? I'm like, if you realize if they backed off, they get this ball shoved up their throat so hard right now, like, it would be embarrassing. 
Like, what are you going to do? You're screwed, you know? That was, I don't know. That's yeah. me on the whole thing there. No, and, like, not to blame everything on injuries because I, I don't like to do that. The injuries are obviously part of the game. No. Every team's dealing with it. But at some point, injuries do kind of catch up to you, right? Like, they've been kind of getting yeah. by, and you're like, wow, they're winning some games without Brian Branch. Like, they held the Buccaneers to six points without Brian Branch and C.J. Garner-Johnson and James Houston and all these guys. But some games, like, you need your roster and you need your guys to perform, and they didn't have a ton of their guys available, um, especially Jerry. Like, to a point where – it's to a point where now yeah. we're, like, saying – if Jerry's not playing, they might get cooked. And so that's that's exactly. the, the depth, how thin it is right now. So I definitely think they could, you know, make a move for a cornerback. We'll probably talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but in this game, like, I, I think there's some truth in what you're saying. Like, they fall in love with some of the guys that are in the back of the roster that, you know, you love them if they're cornerback four, not so much right. if they're cornerback number one or two. Right, yeah. Like Will Harris play. in this game. Because <laughs> um, Will Harris, I, honestly, they like him more at nickel than outside corner, but their depth yeah, is so right. thin that they have to have him on the outside. Um, that was a game where halfway through and kind of wondering at what point do they turn to Stephen Gilmore? You know, he's activated for this game. He's up. Um, you know, maybe put him out there. Uh, you yeah, know. that's – you try it. Yeah, I don't know how much it would have helped, but, you know. That's yeah, kind of where they're at right now with the roster. So I definitely think they should make a move for some uh, cornerback help. But, yeah. yeah, defensively, you know, I don't know how much that would have helped at that point. They're already down pretty big <laughs> early on. No, it was a bad day. So it was just a bad day. It was day. a bad day. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson was fantastic. That was an awesome performance. Um, everybody here, you know, all the net, that was a breakout day for the Ravens uh, that most of the league looked at that and said, that team can beat anybody any day of the week, whatever, if they play like that. Because – you, now you saw why they hired Munkin, uh, who was so good at Georgia with all those great linemen and those tight ends. And all they really did, if, you know, I know a lot of our listeners listen, watch college football, all they really did at Georgia was they had old Stetson man there walk up to the line. Old man Stetson. And he'd, re, he'd count the box, <laughs> and it would be run left or run right or check to a pretty easy, you know, uh, movement pass or just like a whatever and nothing that was too difficult and then the Ravens have also added in some of these you know pretty sick RPOs with Lamar and everything else and it's like this is next level stuff this is a this is a new age type of, people are going to start copying this thing in a few years you watch this because that's and like sometimes like you see yeah we've said you just get got and you put in a plan that's like maybe we can throw some enough grains in the sand to where this thing falls apart because they were they were also coming off a bad performance the Ravens were you know, not one that they were happy about. They were fired up, so and they're at home, all this. So it is what it is. The more disappointing thing, I guess, for me is how the offense played because um, <clears throat> that's the thing that when you're built like this, because they are, and I think the defense had been overvalued. We obviously gave them credit last week when credit was due because they played so well through these injuries. But the defense is not the strong point of this team. When they get into a fight that they can't win or they're overwhelmed, the offense has to be there to pick them up. And, man, that was a disaster. Three and out right away. You know, the offensive line had no idea what was happening with those pressures and the uh, the twists in the games. I mean, Mike McDonald called an outstanding game. Um, and it was just very unlions-like right away. And it, I don't know what else to say on that one. It was just not good from anyone offensively. And that, to me, was the bigger disappointment. Yeah, the first few drives. Actually, we'll, we'll go through the first half of drives. Oh, God. Summaries. Yeah. Three plays, zero yards punt. Three plays, six yards punt. Three plays, seven yards punt. Uh, seven plays, 27 yards, turnover and downs. Nine plays, 25 yards punt. That was the first half. You're down 28-0. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can't have that. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's it right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you could tell early, like, this was a game that, you know, the offense was going to win, but also Jared Goff was going to have to win if, if they were going to have yep. to, if they're going to come back in that one. Because um, the Ravens' defense is very good. You have Jameer Gibbs, and he's not, you know, I don't think they love him running between the tackles, but couldn't get much going on the ground. You know, Goff didn't have a lot of time to throw. He was getting pressured, um, sacked five times in this game. Really, once the Ravens got into a lead, it, the game was yes. over by the first two offensive drives because if you can't tie it up or get back in the game after that, then yep. the Ravens, what they can do at that point is peel back and say, we're coming after Goff because they know that he's going to have to throw the ball 50-plus times in this game. And that's what I saw. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they felt comfortable. <laughs> they're like, they're not running the ball, so let's just get after him. They don't need to blitz a ton just with the rushers that they have. So they're getting home often with four dudes um, and just making life miserable for the offense. Like, Again, I mentioned earlier the stuff over the middle was kind of shut down with Roquan. But, and so what that does, you have to wait for the routes to develop on the outside, and then when you don't have time to let those routes develop, then you end up seeing Goff do the twist away, try to try to spin, and right, make a, make, yeah, and then a, when you see that, it's not going well for you. So, no. um, yeah, not a great day for the offense either. That was a game that they were going to need to kind of step up, and they didn't, and it was over relatively quickly. Yeah, and it's like another one where you're like, man, that really is kind of disappointing because Baltimore is known for exactly what they did. <laughs> like. McDonald is a very creative and sort of different, you know, they, they bring pressures or the sim pressures and they mess with the, the stunts and all the stuff up front. They do different things and they do a lot of weird stuff. That's what the Ravens have done. You know, I know they say they changed their defensive years ago. I don't know how much it really changed. It probably did technically, but the, the principles are pretty much still the same is to get athletes out there who are weird and that are hard to block and get them in solo matchups and just like wreak havoc. And you got to sort of like that they just got confused every time, you know, in that first half was like, geez, like one time, can you pick up one of these? Like, because it's like, yeah, I mean, they're aggressive on second down, usually more than other teams. And in this case, you're going to be on alert for stuff like that. And maybe they don't come or whatever. And you're not so, but man, it was just like, you're 100% right. When this game was 14, nothing, the whole thing was over. because It's just like, Neither the Lions clearly are not built to come back. I mean, I think that that's nothing that should surprise anybody. They're not built. That's 14 points is something that they can get their way out of. I think most weeks, um, 21. Good lord, that's going to be pretty tough. You know, when we're getting to 21, nothing uh, in 28. Obviously, it's over. They just don't have the firepower to dig out of a hole. So it sort of is what it is. I mean, this was a disappointing day. I thought overall, but also maybe one of the most to- total disappointing performances because there was nothing redeemable here. Like. Even your good player, except for Gibbs, who played well. You know, we'll talk about him in a second. But, like, the line, the offensive line, I'm very curious to see how this Monday night. I think they'll come out fired up because this was a bad day. And it didn't, like I said, unlions like It did not look like the team that we have watched for the previous seven games. But And, and I think that's why I have remaining confidence in them going forward because this was an anomaly based on what we've seen from mm-hmm. the last, I don't know, 17, 18 games. Um, like, they just haven't had too many you know, efforts like this. And no. so I, I, I do think that there's reason for optimism going forward. And the, you hear the, the way Dan Campbell's been talking this week. He came back on Monday and, to his credit, took a lot of the blame, um, said he needs to be better and the coaching staff needs to be better and, um, you know, kind of said it was a group group loss. You know, execution wasn't yeah. there. We kind of got got. So he said all that, said all the right things. But, again, and I kind of said this after the Seahawks game, 
Dan kind of smiles when he has some games like this because, you know, he knows the type of group that he has and he knows that they can respond and, and, and get yeah. off the mat. And so he wasn't really smiling too much after a game like this, but he did say, we'll be ready. Trust me, we will uh-huh. be ready for Monday Night Football against the Raiders. And if I'm the <laughs> Raiders, so. I'm probably shitting myself because... <laughs> yeah, they're not in a good way. Yeah, they just, They're down bad against the Bears. They're losing to Tyson <laughs> Bagent, whatever his name is. Bagent. Bagent, yeah. Rhymes with, rhymes with agent, yeah. as Dane would tell you. And, uh, his, I mean, his dad's a professional arm wrestler. Like, you're you're arm losing wrestler, to that yeah. dude. So uh, <laughs> you're, you're down bad right now. Now you got the Lions pissed off. So good luck. Um, I think that's the game that... The Lions will have to bounce back, and I think they'll, they'll, they will get it done. That's not a good team. But, yeah. yeah, you hear the way Campbell talks. He seems like he's going to have these guys ready to go for Monday. So, yeah, just not your week, but what can you do? I mentioned uh, Gibbs there a second. I mean, Gibbs, this is the first time they really had to give him or had a chance even really to give him a full overload pretty much of touches. I don't know how many he ended up. It was probably 13 and 8 or something like this, somewhere in there. He had 11 carries, and he had uh, nine receptions, so 20 touches. 20 touches, so that's clearly a career high for him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and a nice stay, right? I thought it was pretty productive. I think that obviously you could get more out of that. But people had to have seen a little bit there of what, you know, we've been talking about, I would imagine. That was a pretty decent day from Gibbs. Yeah, he looked good. Um, you know, some of his stuff did come kind of when the Wait, game, did, game was yeah. out of hand. But uh, it was good to see regardless. But I still thought it was, you know, a positive direction. And I think Dan Campbell said the same thing after the game, like, they drafted him to kind of rely on him when they need him. Like I think they were kind of being cautious with him the first couple games and um, trying to take things slow with him. And you know, I, a lot of people are pissed off by that, especially the fantasy community. Shout out to you guys. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> like, I think part of it's like long term thinking, right? Like you have this running back, you don't need yes. to overuse him, so don't overuse him. Like keep him a little bit fresh. Don't want to wear him down on his like rookie contract because maybe they're trying to. You know, keep him around long term and sign him to a second contract. So maybe you, you know, alleviate some of those concerns down the road by easing his workload early on in his career, especially when you have a running back like David Montgomery. So I think that's kind of what they've been doing with Gibbs. Um, but at the same time, I kind of look at a game like this where he's needed, and they weren't really going to him um, just because the game was out of hand. But second half when he got some work, I thought you saw the potential, the flashes, what he can do in the passing game. Um, you know, nine catches, 58 yards as a runner. That 21-yard touchdown, the first of his career, um, really impressive. You saw the the burst, the speed. Yeah. Um, so I think when you have a game that kind of, you know, is not a blowout and you can work him in early and try to get him those same looks, he's going to impress. But even in a game like this, I mean, you finish with 126 yards from scrimmage, um, you know, touchdown um, on 20 touches. So that's a really productive day for your rookie running back. I know it didn't come in a game that you wanted, but – um, going forward, I think he looks like he's ready to take on more of the workload, and it sounds like they'll need him again without Dave Montgomery this week. Um, did not practice on Thursday. Uh, we'll see his status going forward. But if I were to guess, they would keep him out through the bye week and have him back for that Chargers game um, like the next weekend after that. So I think they'll have to rely on Gibbs a lot more you know, on Monday, and you know, we'll see what he does. That sounds right to me, and it also gives Gibbs another chance to you know, carry the load again because I think – I think he's actually a better inside the tackles runner than they have seen. They don't seem to – they obviously trust Montgomery more, and I get that. But they haven't really given him a chance to see three or four of those counters in a game. And you know what I mean? Like, they, it just hasn't happened yet. So I'm – and I know he can do that. We've seen that from him in college. I think he can do a lot of the stuff, everything, really. But I agree with you. I think that there was no reason to rush it. Plus, 
David is a really good running back there. I mean, he's a top-tier level starter, I think, as he's proven every time he's been out there. But there's no reason to rush that at this point, uh, all things considered, with the health. Okay, let's talk about... Uh, let, before I move on, though, Colton, before I move on, I was going to talk about some trades here or, like, what can happen for this team. Uh, Jameson had another interesting day at the park. Uh, <coughs> we'd, we'd be remiss if we got out here without talking about him. Uh, I believe he had seven targets, no catches. He had the one where he got interfered with that hit him in the face that I actually thought he didn't locate the ball anyway, but he did get interfered with. His hands have been pulled, yeah. Um, and then the other one where he turned the wrong way and couldn't find the ball. Or I suppose maybe the ball was thrown the wrong way, but I don't think that that was the case. I think the ball was thrown to the right spot. I don't. I could have been wrong there. Either way, like, man alive. It's just one of these things where I, uh, yeah, more of the same, I guess, but O catches and seven targets is like, we got to be better than that, man. Like, we got to be better than that. Like, that's one of those things I would say in, in a game like this. Or he can't play that much. Or he can't play that much, right? I think that's – get Gibbs out there more. And I know in a game like this, obviously, that's not possible because of the depth. But, yeah, that wasn't a good day for him at all. No, it wasn't. And you hate to pile on JMO, I guess. but Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't like to do it, but it, you got to call that stuff when, yeah, when it happens. Yeah, you do. And it was not a good game. And I think he was 0 for 6 on targets. But, 6? Okay. Yeah, well, but it's still bad. <laughs> it's not much better. Yeah, no. Um, nope. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's like there's only so much you can say about that dude. Like, just, it's just got to click at some point. If it doesn't, It's got to be better. Yeah. Yep. They're going to have to move on. Yeah. but That's pretty much it. It's got to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're they're trying to get like honestly, my what I would do differently with JMO, and I would try to take advantage of his speed because he's dropping these long balls and getting you know the interference one was still there, but like he sure. ha- they haven't really connected on a ton outside that one in Tampa. So if that's the case, I, I, do they only want to use him as this deep threat, or can they work him into the intermediate game, the short game, motion game, like? I think they should change it up with him a little bit, try to incorporate some concepts from uh, Miami, get him involved yeah. in some of these motions, take advantage of his speed, do some short stuff yeah, with like him. Um, yeah. Kind of the Tyreek Hill rule. Obviously, there's not many Tyreek Hills on the planet, but Jamal has kind of similar speed. He can run. He can yeah. run. So if you can get him the ball in kind of, you know, around the line of scrimmage or the intermediate game and then let him take advantage of, you know, yards after the catch, maybe that's how you get him working up to those deep balls. And you, you can still occasionally take a, a shot downfield, but I just think he needs more work, like, in the short game. And they're not really doing that much. So yeah. that's what I would like to see, the, you know, the Lions use. use yeah, uh, that's a really good point. J-Mo. And they that's just haven't done it so far. He needs confidence. Yeah, really. just work, him, what, work him up. What you're saying, because and to me it's like the times that they have tried to throw some of the underneath stuff to him, the timing's been off or he hasn't located the ball or it's been a miss or whatever. And, like... So they don't trust him and they don't go back to him. But like you're saying, like, yeah, throw him a couple of those little pop passes where you get somebody in motion across a few times and you catch somebody and see what happens. Yeah. And get him going. You gotta get him going. Like, because like throw the ball, throw yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Throwing the ball sixty yards in the air and seeing what happens. Clearly isn't it. <laughs> it's not working. You know what I mean? Okay, because <laughs> no matter how many times he blows by a corner and gets five steps on him, he can't find the ball. It's not it's not Jared Goff. And I'm like, that's I hate to pile on Jameson also, but like I hear a lot of this. I meant I noticed you never mentioned Goff on any of these. It's 0 for six. I, okay, Goff makes on target throws and off target throws to everybody. You don't see St. Brown going 0 for six. You don't see Laporta, who's also a rookie. Actually, Jameson's not even a rookie. You don't see that happening. 
So like he's got to be better. He's got to be better. And yes, I agree with you, Colton. They got to find ways to get him confidence. Otherwise, what you're asking him to do is, yeah, you got to probably admit to yourself where he is. What's the situation? He needs to be rebuilt. This is not a situation where he can just walk back out here and give you something. Clearly, mm-hmm. you you misjudge that in the off season. Whatever you want to say. So you know, just some slant yeah, routes, like yeah. just get him the ball in short, yes. intermediate field, and let him cook. I don't know, a like bubble screen. Something's got to change because, yeah. like, yeah, I agree. Like when he drops these passes downfield, then all, everyone hops on Twitter and they bash him, and he absolutely reads what people say about him. Um, yeah, he's and then he's probably getting his own head, and yeah, I don't know. Like I think it's not like a perfect storm of things you want for your young wide receiver no, right now. I don't now. think it's fair to golf either because every time they miss. They misconnect. People are like, "What a terrible throw!" And yeah. it becomes this debate, and you're like, "No, it, it was just a bad, you know, whatever." And it's like, oh "God, it doesn't help anybody." And the reason yeah. why we can say this is because Ben Johnson is a good enough offensive coordinator where he can, he should be able to scheme open a guy like Jamo. Oh, absolutely, yes. Like he's done it for I'm Josh sure Reynolds. He does it for Cleve yeah. Freeman. Like you can definitely do it for Jameson Williams. So that's something I would like to yeah. see more of going forward. And yeah, obviously you don't want the drops, but I do think that. The coaching staff can probably get him involved in other ways if yeah. these aren't working. Make him a gadget, if, if nothing else, yeah. right? Like for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's talk about uh, ways to maybe improve this thing if uh, if there are. And I know that um, you know this comes always with like multiple layers when you talk about the trade deadline of you know what you spend versus like are you going to be ridiculous or not? And I guess I would start this conversation with you, Cole, by saying like if you had to pick one spot on the team. Where would that be to make a move or add, to add? Where would that be and why, I suppose? Um, my immediate thoughts go to corner just because that was kind of my yeah. concern. Like, I didn't even know Jerry was, you know, hurt until Saturday. I think that's when the Lions announced it. There was, he was not on the injury report during the week. But even mm-hmm. last week, I was kind of like, if Jerry goes down or Sutton goes down, this cornerback yeah, room is pretty rough. Like, you don't have the outside guys that you have confidence in. Like Will Harris, they say they love him, they put him out there, he struggles on the outside. Um, you know, Cleo Dorsey's more of a special teams guy. Um, you know, Stephen Gilmore, kind of an unknown right now, you just don't know. Don't he know. could be good, but he also could be bad. It could look like an undrafted yeah, rookie right. free agent. So there's not much to feel confident in with this group right now. So I do think they need to add a move for a corner. I know a lot of people want Sertain. I, I don't doesn't sound like the Broncos are going to be too willing to move him, and I don't know why they would. Um, I know they could use some extra capital, but, like, you don't really trade, He's like, really 23, 24-year-old All-Pros. <laughs> like, right. yeah. that doesn't – you shouldn't really do that if you're a team. At least I wouldn't if I were building a roster. Um, so I don't, I don't know if he'll be on the market. It seems like they maybe want to move some secondary guys. But I don't know. There should be cornerbacks available for you to target, whether it's a guy like Sertain or, or not, maybe a, a second-tier or third-tier corner. Um just get some depth, whether that's backing up Jerry or maybe good enough to pass him and make Jerry your cornerback three. There should be guys out there available. Um, so I would kind of look at corner first. Um, and if I had a second position, I would probably go probably go edge, honestly. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I don't know. What, I what do you think? Say. Actually, yeah, that's the two that always come up. Corner is my number one, but I've had people tell me they thought edge as well. Um, and I stick with you. I think corner is – almost necessary at this point that they have to do something whether it's big small whatever and even if it's not trade you know go sign somebody or something like off the off the street you have to get more bodies in here you're just waiting for Mosley or whatever like Harris is not going to be an answer in those situations 
against just about every team you play. I mean, like, unless the quarterback is, like, a rookie that's never played or something like that, right? Like, yeah. if you draw a game like that, which, hey, maybe they can, you know, <laughs> like, at some point down the road, but that's not today. So, you know, I do think that you got to do something there. Um, I wouldn't get a, I wouldn't get any get crazy or do anything wild with it, and obviously you'd love to have a chance to add a player like a certain, but I agree with you. I can't imagine that he would be on the market for anything less than at least a first and probably – uh, second, uh, you know, I would think that maybe even more than that. So, you know, I, that's mm-hmm. not something that I would do if I were Detroit. Um, if it were just the first, I would be like, yes, let's yeah. do it right now. You're not getting a player not, better than Sertain in the draft. At, yeah, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. Uh, and then the edge one is curious or is interesting to me because, um, you know, I, I talked earlier about <clears throat> Will Harris being a guy at the back end of the roster that you'd like to see a better whatever out of, but I can at least understand to a degree where I, why they keep Will because everybody likes him. He works hard and all that. And I'm not going to say that this guy doesn't do that, but like Julian O'Quara got back out there the other day and didn't do anything and they kept him. And like, when I look at that, when I look at that group now, again, I, I'm starting to see more workload on Aiden Hutchinson, more double teams and H backs and everybody running and chipping at him and not much on the other side. So I do, I am starting to wonder a little bit more if, you know, and maybe that would be an easier one to land. I think there's probably even some more feasible edge candidates out there. I, I don't know. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but I would definitely be entertained on both of those the spots. Yeah, like the problem with the Lions at edge is not that they don't have bodies. They have the bodies, but they lack kind of a star caliber player to go opposite of Aiden Hutchinson, and that's – Yeah, right. You know that Houston is hurt. Houston is Fair hurt, enough. and that yeah, like ideally you have James Houston getting after Lamar Jackson or whatever, and like he's actually getting home and making these plays, but it hasn't you haven't had him, and who knows when he's going to be back? I know they're holding out hope that he can make a return maybe December, but I don't know, man. Like that's man, yeah, you can't wait until December, know. and so my and here's what really sold it for me. Like again, I still have corner number one just because of the depth there, but if they can land one of these guys like a Brian Burns. I'm not opposed to it, especially if you can like agree to a you know long term extension. I think that's kind of the key there. But yeah. um, I was looking at some true, true media numbers. Um, average time to pressure among uh, de- you know de- defensive fronts. Uh, the Lions have the fourth slowest average time to pressure at 2.65 seconds. Um, quarterbacks op- opponents average time to throw. Um, the Lions have allowed the second longest time to throw at 2.99 seconds. And then average time to sack, the Lions have the slowest average time to sack in the NFL at 4.17 seconds. So those are three key categories that tell you how productive and how quickly you are getting to the quarterback or rattling him. And the Lions are bottom three in all those categories. And, like, the pressure percentage is fine. I think they rank seventh in the NFL. Yeah, 39.2%. So they're getting the pressure. It's just taking forever to get there. And, like, so quarterbacks are just standing tall in the pocket the pressure comes last minute, but the throw, the play, the route's probably already developed up at that time. The quarterback gets the ball out; it's a completion, whatever. Like that's kind of how it's happening. Um, so outside of like the two week stretch where they had like seven sacks and then five sacks, they have three sacks in their other what four games. Um, right. So not great. Um, I think they could use a, another body there uh, if they can get a Brian Burns. That's a guy I would kind of look at. Um, I don't know what the Panthers are up to. <laughs> they're talking about buying. They're talking about selling. 
Um, they could have, yeah, they want to get some help for Bryce, and they also don't have a first-round pick because they traded that to the Bears. Um, and I was talking to uh, our Panthers writer, Joe Person, I was like, what would it take yeah. to get Burns? And he mentioned, I think last year's package was like two firsts and a third or something like that for from the Rams for Burns, and they said no to that. Um, <laughs> now they this year, no they said no, they want to hold on to him. So that was in my head, I'm thinking, oh, so like they're not trading this year. And he goes, well, now they traded for Bryce, and they're trying to. They could look to recoup some of those assets um, oh, from that trade. So that's doing? when you would trade a Burns this time around. And I was like, what do you think it would take to get him? And this is just his his thoughts, you know, yeah, nothing yeah, official yeah. here. And he said probably a first and a sweetener. And yeah, yeah, sweetener, he meant sense. he said like the third round pick. So a first and a third yep. for Brian Burns. If you're the Lions, would you do that? A first and a third for Brian Burns. I. How old is he? Is he like he's twenty five? He's a two time Pro Bowler at age twenty five. I mean, yeah, I might because he's really good. <laughs> like, I mean, he's really good, and like you're gonna have to pay him, right? Yeah. Right away, probably. That's gonna have to be part of your equation. You don't make that trade things. without a long term deal in place, I right? Think. You know, and keep in mind that there's a bunch of these young dudes that haven't already been paid. Yeah. But, but he is the type of guy that is worth that type of money anyway. So. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough question. But I, I think that for where they're at right now, I'm not sure if I would go all the way with that, with a guy like, you know what I mean? I just don't know if that would be all, all the way worth it unless they're just like, whatever, we can't get another guy like this. And, you know, let's go. Then I would certainly be interested and would want to barter <laughs> or whatever or see what I could do uh, to get it as uh, down as possible because he's a terrific player and he would be exactly what you're looking for. He actually, he actually can do... Uh, a lot of what Aiden does. It would almost be like having two Aidens in some ways, which almost feels like overkill in, in some ways. But, because I feel like you could, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like you could get it better, cheaper somewhere. Because what we're really talking about here is just a guy, because that would be freaky. I'm not going to lie to you. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> I feel like uh, you're talking but, yourself into it right now. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But what you all you need is a guy that can go over there on the other side and win a one-on-one. That's it. Because he's getting them all day long. And, you know, when you're playing opposite Aiden, especially when they have McNeil in there, and they put the other uh, rush tackles in there. They're completely worried about the other side, and everything's sliding that way, and that guy's got a completely free avenue. And when you looked up last week and you saw, and Romeo, you know, God love him, it has just not come back for him uh, since that injury. It just has not appeared, you know, ironically, the Ravens game was the one that he went out uh, and blew the Achilles in. It just He's not been the same player since then. Uh, yeah. And Julian, it has not turned on. It's not the light just hasn't flipped and it's, I don't want to say it's wasting reps out there, but that's that's what attributes to this three seconds or whatever it is to, to get home because you're relying on Hutchinson to beat a double team and you're relying on Aleem to beat a double team. And it's just like, they can do that, but not every single snap. <laughs> yeah. like, that's the problem, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so real quick, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a case for trading, trading for Brian Burns and a case against yeah. it. Uh, the case for it is you have an immediate impact player opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. Um, yeah. And we see Aiden, you know, the amount of attention he gets, he's getting held a lot, obviously. Um, but he's still been productive. He just doesn't have help on the other side. He's not really getting much from the opposite edge spot this season. So you put Burns out there. Burns is dealing with a lot of the same things Hutchinson is dealing with in Carolina, being like the only, you know, oh yeah, true rush threat on one side. Um, his win right now, right now is 147 um, he's got four sacks in six games. 
Um, that's an impact player. Like, he can help you immediately. I, I imagine he and Hutch can help each other just being on the field so. at the same time. Um, you have two dominant dudes on, on both sides. Like, you're collapsing the pocket, um, you know, stuff in the middle. Aleem should be able to clean that up. So now you're talking about a really feared defensive line. Like, we talked about the depth they have. They do lack star power. And I think now having a second star opposite of Aiden and Aleem, what he's been able to do this year, you feel really good about your defensive line. You could probably win games with those guys up front, and that helps you a lot. And if it's a first and a third, you're trading your first, and you also have an extra third-round pick from the Hawkinson trade from Minnesota. So you can still have you know your second-round pick yeah. and a third-round pick in this draft. So um, we'd still have some assets there. Um, the reason why I wouldn't do it and why the Lions would be hesitant, one, you're going to have to pay that dude. Um I don't know if he's going to want to agree to a contract. Like immediately, he might just want to test the waters. Who knows? And if you don't have that mm-hmm. um, answer right away, maybe you hold off on it. Um, another reason why I would, wouldn't do it, maybe you just don't know if you're ready for that that yet. Maybe you don't feel like you're right. at that point. You're a year away. you still got to develop some talent in the draft and keep building this thing up how Brad wants to do it, which is, again, through the draft, develop these guys and get them. So maybe you need one more draft before you're ready for a move like that. Um, and... Yeah, man, that's probably it. I mean, obviously, you have to. We're talking about money and having to figure out, like, okay, how much do you want to pay Hutchinson? How much do you want to pay Panay, uh, mm-hmm. Jonah Jackson, Saint, Goff? So maybe the money also plays a factor in how many of these guys can we actually keep. Maybe Burns doesn't fit with that, you know, timeline we had in place. So that's probably the other only other reason I can think of not to do it. But um, pretty good cases, you know, for and against. But it's an interesting. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know if they're going to trade for him. I don't know if the Panthers even want to trade for him or trade him to another team. But um, that's a player I would kind of have my eye on. I would make the call if uh, the alert comes out again that he's, you know, whatever, um, or at least they're going to listen for it, which it seems like they are. Because if there was, there's not many guys that I would say you give up a first for, um, but he would be one because he's young enough and he's an impact Pro Bowl level player that you're going to have for quite a while that's going to do that for you. I would think for quite a while, and again, yes, you pair him with Aiden Hutchinson, and you're done spending on defense, and you're done with the whole thing. You have your players, and you move forward. However, I would say it would be a little bit against their style, I think, in some ways. Not that they wouldn't do this, but, you know, like, the first guy that you're really paying is a guy that you don't even know. <laughs> it's a guy that you just drafted, you know, yeah. that you just got, like, you know, whatever. And they, they talk so much about these, you know, our guys building from the ground up, so I don't, I don't know... If that's something they would do, I, I don't. Um, I am curious to see if they would be that aggressive. You know, I don't. I don't think they will. It would I'd be the be first time yeah. they've done it, but also the first time they've had a chance to do it as right. Contenders. It would be the first time they've had a chance. Yeah, that's really the most important thing to say. Is it's like this is the first time they've had enough room for error. Where if they gave up a first round pick and they got a great player in return, I think everybody'd be like, okay, whatever. Like you know, <laughs> that's fine. You know, like I mean, number twenty seventh pick, twenty sixth, twenty fifth, whatever it is, next year is. Not that it's not valuable, but if you can get a guy that can help you win a playoff game, then I would say that that's even more valuable. So, I, but I don't know what that what that all looks like either. I just I almost feel like it's two spots because like corner has to be done. You got to do something there, you know. Uh, edge at least maybe you can hope that some guys get healthy and maybe something works out right where somebody turns it on and you know away they go opposite him and and everything takes off but and you're going to start playing some bad teams coming up too yeah like you know we, we haven't talked about that as much but one of those two if not both and it like 
that includes like waiver watching as well, as far as I'm concerned. You know, because yeah. the corner situation last week was not not ideal. No, <laughs> I would say if not uh, if not yes. Burns, I, I would also call Carolina about cornerback um, Dante Jackson, who you could have at a much oh, yeah. lower price than no Brian Burns. Yeah, a lot cheaper. <laughs> probably be yeah. talking about like a I don't know, maybe a fifth or sixth if you, if it gets to that. Um, and he's not he hasn't had a great year, but. Again, I just think they need some depth here. Whether and he's he's had starting experience. Um, yeah, another guy who can play. He can compete out there, and that's all you're asking for, I think, from that spot. Um, I don't think you need a certain. Obviously, that'd be nice if you can get him, but don't think they're going to be in position for that. Um, so you can get like a second or third tier corner, just some depth here, like with some starting experience. I think that's what you should be looking for um, at a minimum. But yeah, those are the two spots I would look at: corner and a defensive end. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Monday Night Football, that's been a while since it's been here. I think the last time they were here was Patricia's first game, correct? Am I right in that one? Where That was a total disaster. Sounds right. Um, yep, which I believe we've talked about that on the show previously. Chris was entertained us with tales of, <laughs> of that day from the stadium. Uh, but it's been a while uh, for the Lions to be on. And I know they've had their other opportunities on uh, the Sunday night stuff and Thursday night and everything else. But this is the... Uh, I still. This is the biggest rating. I don't know if Monday night, does Monday night outdraw Sunday night football. I have no idea, but it feels like this is the flagship of the week, right? I think Monday so has a different like aura about it than Sunday, even. So yeah. I would say so. If not in rating, so an aura. For at home, this should be a heck of an atmosphere. I would think, right? Like this. This should, you know, regardless of how last week's game went, showcase game Monday, for uh, Monday night football. The crowd. Detroit does not come around no. very often, ladies and gentlemen. I was actually so, surprised like, to hear how many years have passed since their last game on Monday night football at home. At least. Uh, let me try to guess. Um, uh, 2011. No, I think it was. I think it's been five years. Okay, I remember. Oh no, yeah, the one we just talked yeah. about. The, Stupid Patricia game. Yeah. Before that, I think it might have been all 11. Probably, something like that. Um, yeah. Um, so, obviously, you don't have too many chances to showcase um, yourselves at home with a new team like this. And, you know, I think people have seen enough of the Lions this year on Sunday night and Thursday night and whatever. But, um, you know, going back right. to the Packers game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Monday night's different. I think that's a whole different beast. Like, people watch this. will be watching this game regardless of the matchup. Um I think the Lions at home have a chance to kind of show what they've been building and another one of those showcase games. And I think the crowd, people will probably be surpri- surprised by how loud the crowd gets on those third downs right. and those situational uh, moments in the game that uh, you can hear it from on TV at home. So, yeah, again, right. I think this is a good opportunity to kind of show what you've been building. You bounce back. You go 6-2 and two before the bye. Um, pretty good start to the season. I think most people would take that. And that's the thing because these previous primetime deals have been on the road. Yeah, right. you were in Kansas City, and you, you know, whatever. You go to Green Bay, and those are whatever. But this is you get to show what you're doing here. Yeah, and uh, this will be the first time that the Dan Campbell era has gotten the in Detroit yep. at home has gotten the national treatment. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Honestly, I'm not going to be there. The children and everything else with my life are too busy. But whatever. I go to you know. Obviously, I'll be tuning in. Yeah. I'm excited to see the crowd. Uh, the atmosphere and how all that translates because the last time that happened is that was the Patricia the first game of that year 2018 uh, everybody was so excited right new coach people were, still thought he was going to be something that was you know to worth uh, you know investing your time in the first play of the game is that pick six by Diggs so they score on the first play of the game the building is like erupting <laughs> everyone is going completely nuts 
and then they lose like 44 to 7 or whatever was the final <laughs> score. And you're like, oh my God. It was like you could not have possibly had a worse showing, uh, you know, for what you're doing. Uh, and it's like, I remember everyone at the time, that was like one of the worst moments in the history of Lions fandom for people. They were just like, they'll never come, Monday Night Football will never come back here ever again, right? Like, we'll never have another good moment. That was horrible. And it's been it was. A minute since they've been back, so yeah. And this is a chance <laughs> to uh, redeem some of that, I think. So. Yeah, I think this is... Uh, there might have been another game in there, too, that Patricia had. I feel like they beat the Patriots maybe on a Monday night, but whatever. This is the first chance Campbell has. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if he's talked... Has he talked about that? Has, he ta- has anybody asked him about Monday Night Football? Someone asked him... I think Stoney asked him for his... Was it Stoney? I don't know. Someone asked him for his uh, favorite uh, Monday Night Football memory, and he's like, I don't know if I have a favorite one. I have uh, one I try to forget that you just reminded me of, and it was like... He, he's with... <laughs> He's a tight end, and he missed like an, a blocking assignment that I don't know led to basically lost the game off of it. He said right. this morning, and uh, he said that's one he he will forever think about. Which is it's honestly funny right. when you hear coaches talk and you ask them for memories, and like they can't point to the good ones. They always point to the oh, ones no, that yeah. like are seared in their brain as a mistake, and that's kind of how most athletes are wired. Like they don't remember the wins, they remember the losses. So yeah, um, thought that was interesting, but I, I imagine. Um, Campbell will talk to his team about um, what the stake here and a chance to kind of show show national audience what you've been building and, and all that good stuff because this is an opportunity. Um, I kind of look at it as a showcase. It's a game that you should oh, yeah. win. It's not like a like a Ravens type of matchup. You should take care of business. You should bounce back against a team like the Raiders that are kind of struggling and kind of a mess, honestly. Um, so it's setting up for you know pretty good pretty good night for the city of Detroit if you can take care of business. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree with that. It's been um, it's been a minute since they've had a chance to do that in front of a national audience. So I'm excited to see how that goes. But in any event, I think that'll do it for this week. Colton, you got anything else before we get out of here? Um, no, I'm all good. We'll keep an eye on the uh, trade deadline here. Uh, that's on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Um, again, we'll see if the Lions make a splash yeah. here. I think one way or another it'll be pretty telling, whether they yes, you know, stand pat and say we're getting guys like Houston and CJ back later on, we feel good. Or if they do make a move, whether it's a splash splash move or a secondary piece, I think that'll tell you, you know, we're gearing up or we like what we have. So it should be fun. Definitely in place to win the division still. That has not changed. And obviously they get a team in here that, as we said earlier, uh, lost to the Bears last week. And, like, lost to the Bears sort of, like, not closely either. It wasn't, like, even, like, a good game. So, yeah. I mean, like, the Raiders are a huge problem and they've had problems all year. I This is a game Detroit has to have. And I would expect they'll be ready to play for it. But in any event, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, be sure to check out Colton's stuff on uh, Sunday, after, or Monday, I should say, after the game. And we'll be back next week, obviously, to break it all down. Uh, thanks again to Colton. I'm Nick. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week.